Welcome to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. Um, my name is Richard Betts. I'm joined by Nicole Dines, Paul Strome and Dan Innes for what is our 100th issue. Um, who would have thought that uh, when, when we started this on the uh, 3rd of April 2020, um, that 100 episodes later, we would still be discussing the pandemic. Um, but also, interestingly, um, a number of other Black Swan events that have that have come up over, over the time of, of Realcast. Um, let's start anyway with our kind of regular um, pickup on the news, but also maybe add into that some of the some of the key things, I guess, that that we've seen key themes over those 100 issues. Um, Nicole, let's let's start with you. On a positive note, coming out of the pandemic, one of the positive things has been the comeback of, of tourism, of travel, and of course, of hospitality. And uh, Citizen M, which are the pioneers in a sort of affordable luxury with a very new concept, they already have 18 properties in Europe, but they're very much, uh, they're expanding. They announced that they're going to open a new hotel in London near Victoria Station. So their model seems to work very well. Very, much based on innovation and recently they announced that the first hotel chain to launch into the metaverse they're going to use this new virtual world called the sandbox so their supporters can use their non-fungible tokens to support the building of real hotels in the real world so there'll be a, definitely a, a new concept and an interesting idea to to watch and again on the news front another big theme has been obviously impact esg uh, environmental sustainability and built by nature and the Lowdis Foundation have just announced they're financing further study into the use of engineered timber, giving 250,000 euros to uh, research into this in Milan, in MIND, which is the Milan Innovation District, which has been built, is over 1 million square meters of new buildings, and is going to become a technological hub. And uh, most of it will be built in um, with engineered timber, thanks to this uh, foundation as well. They say Italy is lagging behind a bit. In Northern Europe, it's become very much a theme. Um, um, more, more and more buildings are being are being built. Obviously, in the Nordics, which were always had them, but in, in the Netherlands and in Northern Europe, especially. But the trend is definitely. Uh, being accepted and the more people are looking at engineered timber, which obviously has uh, is one of the oldest materials in the world, but it's also highly technological. ESG has been a big theme for us of the last you know 100 episodes and we launched Impact, a magazine devoted to that. And in the most recent issue of Impact, we devoted a section towards engineered timber to show how creative the solutions have been, technological, but also creative and all the benefits from an environmental point of view of building with, with engineered timber. So that's something that will grow and grow i'm sure yeah and i think that uh, that focus on sustainability over over the past kind of 100 episodes i think has been really clear and just interesting for, for me to note as well that in uh, when we launched impact um, which was only in october we had one page um, of people moves and for this one which is issue number four it's actually four pages of people moves and that just really clearly shows what's happening in the market there i think paul what are you, what are your takes on on the week and the and the 100 episodes uh, well, I was just going to highlight that IKEA franchisee Inca announced last week this by allocating 3 billion euros to physical store growth. It wants to accelerate expansion in both new and existing physical stores globally. By the end of 2023, it'll spend 3 billion uh, with, with the aim of becoming more accessible for customers. And the group said in a statement that physical IKEA stores remain an essential part of its business model. And that since September 2021, six new IKEA, and it calls them touch points, they're smaller stores where online buyers can go and sort of see products before ordering online have been built. And um, 
over the past three fiscal years, Inca's already spent more than 2.1 billion in existing and new stores across 32 markets. So it's a good example of the way that sort of successful areas of retailing really are moving forward, adapting and embracing new the new sales channels. And, and other stories in the last few days have sort of highlighted that too, including retail property giant ECE's sale of a food anchored center in Austrian city Linz to institutional investors and Green Man signing up its latest food convenience store anchored development in the Koblenz area of Germany. Looking at back over the year, so symbolic of how the property sector is adapting to changing circumstances and how some of the solutions and and shifts that it's prepared to contemplate are quite radical. It's difficult to, to imagine just a few years ago such a radical shift in the land use allocation in Canary Wharf, for example. So where Canary Wharf Group and Cadence Science Partner, which is actually owned by AXA, IM Alts, announced in March that they're to develop a, a 750,000 square foot life science focused wet lab building at Canary Wharf. And it's built as uh, Europe's largest commercial laboratory building and the first phase of a life sciences cluster in Canary Wharf, which after all was regarded for a long time as an overspill area for the City of London and for offices. Yeah, I think capital moving towards what would have been perceived as, as very, very small areas like life sciences, but also growing focus on senior living, on healthcare, and indeed infrastructure have been some of the, the key kind of themes, I think, around that as well. Dan, what have you been tracking? Well, the big story of the week for us was really the reports that the West End of London could be seeing one of its biggest mergers of its two biggest landlords, Capital and Counties and Shaftesbury. They're in talks, apparently, advanced talks uh, for a £3.5 billion merger that would really transform that area. I mean, there are some shareholder concerns, uh, but Capco, they run the Covent Garden estate, while Shaftesbury runs most of the Soho landmarks, including including Carnaby Street. Advanced discussions there are definitely one to watch and one that people have been uh, suggesting would be a good thing for many, many years. Elsewhere, um, over to Scandinavia, um, there was the impressive news that in Oslo, the city's iconic department store, Steen and Strum, which is the world's longest trading department store, 225 years old, they managed to break their monthly sales record. They've had the biggest march ever, which considering we've just had that pandemic and those black swan events that you mentioned, Richard, is quite something. They made history this year. They exceeded their their sales record by 20%. And that jump in sales before any previous march on record comes after Mark or or Mayor Bergman, uh, who who sort of leads on the promenade and management, which runs uh, the department store. They invested into a major... uh, uh, refurbishment and a new uh, positioning of its main entrance onto the city's main busiest shopping street, Carl Johan's Gate, and the introduction of a new atrium and, and last year a, a new beauty hall. So a real great example of where, where investment is, is, is truly paying off. Following some of the trends that we have been following over these 100 editions, Richard, you know, these pandemic restrictions that have forced businesses to get a little bit more comfortable with employees working from home or elsewhere and what that what's that's meant for for real estate um, Tesco the supermarket group they're actually partnering with IWG to open its first flexible workspace so from later this month the owner of 
office operator Regis, IWG, they're going to test out 3,800 square feet of flexible workspace in the Tesco's in New Malden in the UK. That's going to have 12 private desks, 30 co-working spaces. And the, that kind of tie-up kind of look emerges as supermarkets are now the asset class looking at ways to fill space in stores where they want sold you know electrics and music and film or you know which are now bought digitally and maybe that space can be put to better use um so maybe let's see how that tesco uh, iw venture runs separately landsec um this week they sold 32 to 50 strand in london for 195 million and that's the mixed use commercial building they sold it to sinamas land limited and that comes at a time when landsec they were pretty much the talk of completely marketplace uh, the event last month because they they've been reducing their retail agency roster of 30 down to five agents in a bid to drive performance and they've actually been following this kind of more brand and customer centric approach uh, which has certainly got uh, the agency world talking Back to Inca, a reference that Paul made earlier in Vienna, IKEA is opening its first car-free store. And the store is going to be solely accessible by public transport or on foot. But they revealed that the design in 2020 um, was going to be a response to the radically changed customer and mobility behaviours and, and an ambition to create a more sustainable shopping experience. But customers don't need to worry because they're still going to be providing their on-the-day home service delivery options. But this building in Vienna, I mean, it makes a really important contribution to the future of living ecologically in the city and to the future of retail. There was a, quite a touching initiative in Paris, which was a series of pop-up stores um, clustered together showcasing Ukrainian designs uh, and products. And the pop-up in the 9th arrondissement in Paris showcases everything from fashion to design to sculptures to paintings, um, all created by Ukrainian designers. Um, it's being supported by locals um, and perhaps something that we'll be able to see elsewhere in other cities around Europe, uh, again, driven and supported by real estate. Um, and especially nice to see that um, after Ukraine won the Eurovision Song Contest, Richard. Really interesting as well to be at the ULI conference in Brussels last week, because that was actually the very last major event before COVID really struck in 2020. And it put me in mind of the fact that we'd done around 30 or 40 different interviews there, all of which were very positive about the outlook. The fact that there were no, you know, no potential black swans in front of the market and all of those interviews, essentially, I couldn't use a week later um, because the world had changed enormously. But it has been very interesting to see those trends around work from home, um, changing some of the sectors, the continued focus on logistics, much bigger focus on residential, but also on those alternatives, as we mentioned. Just very interesting to see how resilient we've actually been as an industry. It's a whole wedge of black swan events that we've had. Um, so not just COVID, but obviously the economic crisis following that, but also now the energy crisis, um, as well as the, the war in Ukraine. And yet still, there seems to be quite a lot of positivity um, in the real estate and real asset markets. As an industry, A, it's helped support um, 
a lot during the COVID crisis, but also during the Ukraine crisis. Um, and that links in again to that idea, I think, Nicole, around sustainability and social impact. And, and all of those areas, I think, have been in, increasingly important uh, over the last 100 episodes of, of Realcast. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Dan. Um, and thank you to all of the contributors over the 100 episodes of Realcast. Thank you for watching us and look forward to seeing you next week for our regular roundup of the real asset markets. Thank you.